0: Vote for the Savior is near. I'm Welcome,
1: everyone, to The, the Chat. Vote. I'm coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Indiana. My name is Nida Evans, and I am the host for The Chat. It airs each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on radio station WYGS, and it can be live-streamed from its website. The Chat is also available on Google, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. Today I'm chatting with Kate Michelle. Kate is a wife, mother, missionary, and leader in a nonprofit media ministry in Haiti. She has a bachelor's degree in international business and a master's in communications. She left her home in the UK and lived and worked for years in West Africa and in Haiti before God moved her family in, to Columbus, Indiana. She shares how God has met her in her deepest need, particularly in her daughters and her own mental health journey. We'll be right back with the chat.
0: I'm stepping out of the boat for the is near I'm stepping
1: out I'm stepping out
0: of the boat for the Savior is near.
1: Today out, I'm chatting with Kate Michelle. Kate is a wife, mother, missionary, and leader in a nonprofit media ministry in Haiti. She has a bachelor's degree in international business and a master's in communications. She left her home in the UK and lived and worked for years in West Africa and in Haiti before God moved her family to Columbus, Indiana. She shares how God has met her in her deepest need particularly in her daughter's and her own mental health journey. Welcome to the chat, Kate. Thank you, Nita. Thanks for having me. So good to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. Let's start out. Will you tell us about your family?
2: So I am from the UK. So I was born and brought up in South Wales. My mom and dad were there and I have one sister who's younger than me. So that was my kind of place of origin. I'm now married to Storley, who is from Haiti. We have been married 20 years, and we have two beautiful daughters, Hannah, who is nearly 18, and Esther, who just turned 16. A family of four. How exciting. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell us a little
1: bit about the work you have done and what you're doing now?
2: Sure. So I graduated college with a degree in international business and just wanted to use my gifts and abilities to serve people. And I started working for World Vision, which is an international Christian relief and development organization. I worked in there Supporter Communications Department, uh, doing magazines for supporters. And then I got an opportunity to go to Africa and worked as a journalist and photographer in West Africa for three years. Ended up working for World Vision in Haiti as well, a total of 12 years altogether. And my current position is with the ministry that my husband and I lead, which is 4VEH, the Evangelistic Voice of Haiti a radio and television ministry that's been on the air in Haiti since 1950. So I serve as the communications and fundraising director. So I have the joy of searching for and sharing the stories of how God is at work through this ministry and how people can pray and give and be a part of what God is doing in Haiti.
1: This really sounds exciting that you would get to serve God in such
2: an exciting way. It is. I mean there's there's lots of uh, <laughs> not so exciting moments, but I am just amazed at what I get to do and especially hearing from listeners in Haiti who speak of how God has, you know, used the ministry to to help them maybe in a time of crisis or a time of where they needed encouragement, or just day-to-day helping them grow in their faith, helping them learn how to take care of their families. 4VEH is such a part of people's lives in Haiti, and I'm just thrilled that I get to be a part of that.
1: Let's get into
2: your testimony. When did you come to know Jesus? So I was brought up, especially when I was very young, going to Sunday school as a kid. And then we moved and didn't go to church anymore, but I had friends who invited me to the local youth group when I was 15. So the church was just up the hill from where we lived. We lived almost at the top of the hill, and the church was right at the top, and uh, a small community church, and that's where I first remember hearing the gospel even though I'd done Sunday school and I I knew some of the stories, but that's where I remember hearing the gospel. I went to youth group. I ended up pretty quickly going to uh, both Sunday morning services, Sunday evening youth group, and and then within a few weeks, there was a, a youth retreat and I went to the youth retreat and then came home. And on the Monday night, I remember realizing that I couldn't sit on the fence. Where Jesus was concerned, I was either for him or against him. And I decided that I needed to accept what Jesus had done for me and commit my life to him. And uh, I remember just after that, you know, looking in the bathroom mirror and just being overwhelmed by God's love for me. That was when I was 15.
1: Has God given you a passion in, in a certain
2: area? Well, I would say my passion is communications. And I first really realized that after my first mission trip. So I took a mission trip when I was in college to Brazil, I actually led a team of students to go and work with street kids in in Brazil. Uh, We were there for a month. And when we got back, I remember standing on the stage, on the platform at my church, sharing about what we had seen and experienced and how we had seen God at work. And I just felt alive, like that's what I was born to do. And essentially, that is what I have done ever since. So yeah, that's my passion. Is there
1: an area or two where God is working on you to make you more like Jesus? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At least
2: two, huh? Is there any other answer to that question? Yeah. I think my trust in Him he's working on. And, you know, over the last few years, that has uh, been evident that I have needed to trust him more and more. And then I think also in my awareness of other people and their need and, you know, for me to put aside whatever my agenda may be, you know, my to-do list for the day or whatever, and be with the people who need me in my immediate family. But friends and, and others as well.
1: So trust and awareness of the needs of others
2: mm-hmm. yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, willingness to put my own stuff aside in order to meet others' needs.
1: And don't you think we have to do that? Put mm-hmm. our needs aside if we're going to be able to see other people... Yeah. And their needs, we do have to set our stuff aside. Absolutely. It'll be there when we come back, won't it? <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. If it's on the to do list, it will. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs>
1: right. The theme song for the chat is a song called Stepping Out. And in that song, it talks about getting out of the boat. You know, God wants us to get out of the boat and step into faith and trust Him in some area of our lives. Has he asked you to get out of the boat?
2: Yes, absolutely. And the first thing that comes to mind is when we were going on that mission trip that I mentioned. So I was 20. I remember the night before, like there had been a series of of events that had happened, things that had happened that made me sense that this is what God was calling me to do. And then the night before, I had my backpack all ready, and I just distinctly remember kind of getting nervous and like, what if I just don't go to the airport tomorrow? You know, what what if I just leave the backpack and cancel the plans? Because it's crazy going halfway across the world with a team of students with me to a place I've never been to. And I don't speak the language, but, you know. And then I remember feeling that if I didn't do this, I would be disobeying what God had called me to. And with that, I was not about to disobey what God had called me to. And so I jumped with both feet into the unknown, felt like I was jumping off a cliff. And that was the beginning of what has turned out to be my life as a missionary and living and and experiencing what God is doing in the world.
1: Just think, had you not done that, you know, you wonder, would God lead you in another area? Or mm-hmm. would you have not not at all ended up doing what he had planned for your life? Doesn't that make yeah. you wonder? Yeah.
2: I mean I'd have missed out on so so much blessing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what kind of speaks to me.
1: Let's get into your prayer life. Is there a certain area in maybe in your home or any place where
2: you do a lot of your praying? Where do you pray? I pray wherever I am. And that is, I mean, often I'm praying in the shower. I'm praying when I'm out walking. I pray in my car a lot. I pray at my desk. I pray in the kitchen. And sometimes those prayers are kind of short and sweet, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I'm on my knees in anguish or in intercession, praying for somebody. Sometimes those prayers are prayers of worship, and I've got my hands in the air. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't have one specific place that that's my prayer place. It, it mm-hmm. really depends where I am and, and what is happening. Although, um, you know, I do, I do like to start my day with prayer and devotions. Mm -hmm. uh, That is usually in one place, like in my living room somewhere. Mm -hmm. But again, that can depend on the day and what else is Mm -hmm. going on and who else is up, that kind of thing.
1: Will you take us through a day of your prayer life starting when you wake up in the morning? Take us all through during the day and till we get to nighttime.
2: Often when I wake up, the minute or two after I wake up, I am humming something in my head, and the humming is a worship song i 'm the first one up, so by the time i 've taken the ten steps down to the kitchen, I am humming doo doo do 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 for example mm-hmm. that 's "Christ is my firm foundation that 's one of the songs that 's been in my head a lot recently that 's how my day starts in that worship and then as I go through my day, sometimes I sit down and I have, um, I have half an hour or more of solid reading my Bible, doing some kind of study or devotional, praying for myself and my family and for others and for the ministry that we work with and for other issues going on. Sometimes it's, uh, I look at the Bible app on my phone and I read the verse of the day, and I share it with my family and on our group chat. And that's what I end up meditating on or trying to meditate on during the day. Often days, you know, at work, there's prayer involved in, in what I do, mm-hmm. which is a real privilege to be able to pray with people, to be able to pray for people in different situations at work. And then I would say kind of going on to evening and end of the day. Sometimes the end of the day is just like, I'm so exhausted. I fall into bed and it's just Mm -hmm. like, Lord, thank you. Good night. (laughs) And sometimes I have more time to go through the day and kind of pay more awareness to where I've seen God at work and to kind of praise him for those moments. And then, you know, to pray for my children um, my husband, as as I go to sleep, they're either still doing homework or still working or maybe they're asleep already. So just a time to pray for them at the end of my day. Are there any prayers you pray specifically for yourself? You know, I was thinking about this, and I think the one that I pray every day is, Lord, help. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it really depends on the situation, you know, what's going on. For me personally, what's going on around me, and, you know, how I might need to respond to other people or other situations. So I think Lord help is, that's the prayer I pray every day for myself.
1: I'm enjoying our chat, Kate. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out,
0: out of the boat, for the Savior is near. I'm vote
1: for the Savior is near. We're back with the chat and I'm chatting with Kate Michelle and we're getting ready to get into, has God ever disappointed you?
2: What do you think? I don't think so. I don't remember ever feeling disappointment towards God. What I felt was if my prayers are not being answered in the way that I think they should be, It's because I don't know what his will is. And it will be revealed to me if I need to know. It will be revealed to me in in his time and in his way. And until he does that, I need to trust that he's at work somehow. Mm. Even when it makes no sense and I don't understand and it hurts like heck, I need to trust.
1: Yes, I can see that. You see that he knows what he's doing. So we may as well trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's look at your blessings. Give us a couple of your greatest blessings. And can we set your family aside because we already know that they are a tremendous blessing to you. But are there a couple of others? Well,
2: I got to give my family a shout out. And then there are others because everyone who knows my husband, Storley, or our daughters know that. They are a blessing, not just to me, but to the world. (laughs) Of course. But the other blessings, I think, like early on in my career, and especially in my time in West Africa, I had the opportunity to meet and hear the stories of people from different situations. I just saw that as a great privilege. And there are people that I'm thinking of in particular One time I worked in Sierra Leone in the middle of the Civil War. I met some boys who were child soldiers. And there was one day in particular when I spent the day with a group of boys who had just come out of the bush, meaning they had just been rescued from being child soldiers and they were about to start some kind of healing and rehabilitation work. We were standing on a balcony in Freetown, Sierra Leone, and it started raining. And one of the boys next to me, and he had, like, tattooed with a knife in his arm, he had the name of the rebels Mm. that he was abducted by and forced to be a child soldier. When it started to rain, he started wiping the raindrops off my arm. And it just touched me in such a way that here was this boy who had been abducted, Forced to do terrible things during a civil war, and yet here he was just wanting to wipe the raindrops off my arm. And there were other situations where I heard stories, people you know told me their worst nightmares that had happened to them, and it was such a privilege to be in those situations and um, offer a little comfort just giving them an opportunity to share their story and to know that somebody else cared about them. So that's one of the biggest blessings. And then probably I would say another blessing for me has been, I can speak other languages. So English is my mother tongue. I speak French, I speak Haitian Creole. And if you count American, I also speak that fourth language. Let me
1: see. (laughs) Let me think about that one.
2: You you got a little bit of a twist on your English. I can do the all 'all (laughs) y'all if I need to. But that has just opened up interactions with people. And I think we can get so stuck in our own worlds. But when you are able to reach out and connect with somebody who is different from you in some way, just being able to say something in their own language. It just opens up relationships. And, you know, mm. I've been able to worship in churches where they do worship totally differently and they speak in a totally different language. And it just enriches my experience as a human and as a believer.
1: How fun Yeah, that would be in four different languages. Mm-hmm. Well, the fourth one, we'll put that one aside. <laughs> I'm curious. Of the nine fruits of the Spirit, which one would you rate yourself the highest in?
2: I think it depends on the day. Because, you know, the fruits of the Spirit are from the Holy Spirit working on me, and He's working on me in all aspects of who I am and my character and, you know, how I live out my faith. And so I think, yeah, totally it depends on maybe the day or the season what situations I'm in, uh, you know, sometimes it's surprising what comes out of my mouth or my my thought process. And I realize, yes, he still needs to keep working on me in those areas. So what about the lost? Same answer, really. It totally depends on the situation. Do you have a life verse? I don't have a specific life verse that I had from like an early age that is kind of mm. my... Mm-hmm. foundation for life. But there is a verse that really spoke to me when we moved to the U.S. Long story short, my husband's from Haiti, from Cap Haitian. We met in the U.K. We both thought we would be living and working in Haiti forever. We had built our house there. We had our two daughters by then and we were prepared to raise them in Haiti. And then we came to the U.S. on a, a trip five weeks, we were supposed to be speaking at churches, uh, representing the mission. And um, our daughters were, the older one was like, just under two years old, the younger one was six months old, and we had two suitcases of stuff with us. And we got through immigration at JFK, and they said something about our passports and our green cards. And basically said we needed to stay in the US permanently and become citizens before going back to Haiti. And we had all of our stuff in Haiti. We had spent all our money building our house in Haiti. We were committed to the 4VEH, to the radio and television ministry that we're still a part of. And I remember sitting in the baggage claim at JFK, bawling my eyes out because God had taken away what we knew, what we had committed to, and what I had, you know, I had sacrificed a lot leaving my family in the UK to go and live and work and raise my family in Haiti. Suddenly that was pulled out from under our feet. There is this incredible account in the book of Job where, you know, if you just read Job chapter one, it's like a gobsmacking chapter. Job is is righteous in the eyes of the Lord, and God allows Satan to try and pull the faith out of Job, test him by removing these things from Job's life. You know, if you read the passage, it's like, while he's getting the bad news, like all of his Uh, stock, you know, his sheep and cattle and stuff being killed. Another messenger comes with news of even worse. And while that messenger is still talking, there's another bad thing. And you read that and you're like, oh my gosh, how is Job going to survive? And then it says in Job chapter one, verses 20 and 21, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And that verse um, led into, like when we first moved here, like we hardly knew anybody. We, we knew one family who actually invited us to come and stay in their house. That's how we ended up in Columbus. Um, but we started going to Community Church of Columbus, which we are still members of, And one of the songs that the worship songs then was by Matt Redman called Blessed Be Your Name. And there's a bit in there that says, um, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord still, I will say, blessed be your name. And I took that to mean for myself with these very specific things that have been taken away, I am going to out loud And to other people, as well as in my personal devotions, I am going to praise the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. That was a pivotal moment for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, that has been a foundation that has just continued through the rest of my life is that whatever's going on, may the name of the Lord be praised because he doesn't change, even though my circumstances may change.
1: Well, I'd like to get into your devotion time. What's that like?
2: It depends. (laughs) (laughs) Everything depends with you. (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm a morning devotions person. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely a morning person. My ideal devotional time is getting up, making a strong cup of black coffee, sitting down with my Bible, with some worship music, having time to worship through the music, having time to read and kind of, chew over a passage, having time to pray, and then kind of start my day. The ideal doesn't happen very often, but what I do do, I use the Bible app a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I use various plans to study different parts of God's Word. I am currently in a Bible in one year plan that I started, I think, two and a half years ago. So... If anyone out there is in the same position, you know, don't give up, keep going. (laughs) I also, depending on, you know, maybe the time of year, I do seasonal Mm -hmm. Bible studies, like for Advent Mm -hmm. or for Easter. I try and focus some special time on what is coming up there. And then I would say, you know, there are times when, again, depending on the situation, Mm -hmm. whatever I'm going through, at the moment, whatever is happening even in the world, or I may spend extra time on a certain book of the Bible or a passage or, um, you know, just recently I've gone back to that piece in Job afresh because we get something fresh every time Mm -hmm. we read God's Word. It's, you know, it's living and breathing.
1: Have you ever done Bible study fellowship? That's an excellent, excellent study.
2: I have not done Bible study fellowship. I've done I've been part of other women's Bible study groups, uh, which use, you know, various methods of studying the Bible Mm -hmm. together, but I've never done a BSF.
1: Can you give us a couple of names of women in the Bible who really you can relate to or are your favorites?
2: When I think of women in the Bible, the thing that really jumps out to me is the passage at the beginning of Matthew which is Jesus's family tree and the women that are mentioned in that. And that always touches me that those women who, when you go into each of their stories, like you wouldn't pick any of them really as, you know, this is going to be the mother of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like Rahab. Yeah. Who would think that? Yeah. So one after the other, they've all been in some kind of tricky situation The fact that they just mentioned that they are part of Jesus's family tree, he descended from them. That's no accident that it happened that way. It's no accident that it's included in the Bible so that we know. But it tells us very clearly that Jesus came for us who are messed up and in complicated situations and have had stuff happen that we wish they hadn't. And we come from places that, you know, may not be the holiest or the mm-hmm. most sacred of beginnings. Mm-hmm. And yet God is able to redeem our stories and and not only that, but work through us. So, you know, if you think of Rahab, like, would she ever have believed that the Messiah was going to be born mm-hmm. through her family line? It's like mind-blowing. So, you know that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the women in the Bible.
1: We've got to take another break, Kate. We'll be right back with the chat.
0: I'm stepping out out of the boat for the savior is near. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out out of the boat for the savior is near. We're back I'm with
1: the chat, out, and I'm chatting wrote. with. Kate Michelle. And now we want to talk about two of your favorite biblical accounts, Kate. Tell us about them.
2: Well, one that comes to mind straight away is from the story of Joseph. So in the book of Genesis, you know, Joseph has got a bunch of older brothers who are very jealous of him and the affection that his father has for him. They end up wanting to kill him and they sell him off to some traders and It starts a whole series of events in his life, but at the end of Genesis, his brothers come back to Joseph, who is now in this high position in the land, and Joseph says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That verse, is Genesis 50 verse 20. I shared that in a devotions with our staff in Haiti uh, just a few years ago. Uh, They were concerned about about me being kidnapped. And I was reminding them of a testimony that we'd heard on the air about a local pastor who had been kidnapped. And the kidnappers, they were trying to distract him. And so they gave him headphones with a radio and the radio was playing really loud. But the radio was set to 4VEH to the radio station that he listened to that is full of God's word Mm. and worship. And he gave that testimony on the air after he was released of, you know, what the kidnappers intended for harm actually did him good and helped him to endure what was a terrible situation. You know, when I read of Joseph's story and when I think of it for my own experience too, you know, sometimes we think when bad things happen we need to give God glory because somehow God's going to be glorified in this. But there's also the part where it's for our own good as well. So we, you know, we trust God that it's whatever's happening is going to turn out for our own good, even though we don't see it or feel it right now. But then it's the last bit of that, which really gets me because the situation for Joseph was that the land was in famine and what the brothers had done or the the kind of series of, of events ended up physically saving the Jewish people because Joseph was in a place to lead and manage kind of the, the resources and, and help people get food in famine. So this verse about, you know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives is like my story, I don't know how God is going to use this, but it, it's not just for my good and it's not just for his glory. It's for the saving of many lives. And so I really pray that, you know, as I share some of my story, that will be true in that situation too. Good point. And you have one more? I have one more. This is a like a slightly different tone to this one. So I work in fundraising. I'm, uh, you know, I encourage people to give. Sometimes we think, those need to be awkward conversations. But I have a passage that is on my office wall, which is from Second Corinthians chapter 8. And every time I read this, it just overwhelms me again and again. I would really love to hear this more in our churches from the platform, but it's verses 1 to 7. And it says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So my role at 4VEH is to encourage people to give to the ministry. And some of those people who give are patients who are among the poorest people in the world and they are giving sacrificially and they're giving out of joy mm. and they're giving because they want God's work to continue and when they share those stories with me I am just blown away and this passage you know comes back to me time and time again that their giving is because of their overflowing joy and it welled up in rich generosity who are we to withhold any of our resources from what God wants to do with them. So that's another special one for me.
1: Let's look at mentoring just for
2: a moment here. Have you had any mentors? Not really. Not officially. And I think I've been blessed to be in a community of missionaries mm-hmm. where the older missionaries share their stories of faith in mm-hmm. different situations. And so I would say those are my unofficial mentors. Now, let me talk to you a moment here, Kate. Sure. Those
1: are mentors to (laughs) you. Yes, absolutely. They may not be, I'm this and you're that, but my, you're saying that you learned from them. Yes. So go ahead.
2: True. Um, Yeah, so that's who comes to mind, just watching people, you know, ahead of me in their faith journey in different situations.
1: Have you mentored anyone? Now,
2: official or not, either one. Um, I hope so.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't put names of people, but I hope mm-hmm. that in my, in my walk that others see, you know, what I've learned and how I live encourages them in their faith. And the two that come to mind is our daughters, you know, mm-hmm. not just parenting them, but mentoring them through different experiences as well.
1: Let's get into struggles. We've all had struggles throughout our lives as women of faith. What about you? Is there one in particular that you would like to share with us?
2: About three years ago, our elder daughter, who was then um, 14, had a mental health crisis, uh, a breakdown. Um, She'd been suffering for a while, and we just didn't know. But we started to see her go downhill. And then a relationship went bad, and that was really the final straw After a week of her not eating, she decided to go to youth group. And then we got a call from our pastor who said that she had gone missing. She had called one of the leaders and told her where she was. And she said that she didn't want to die alone. And so they sent out people to go and find her. And I got in the car and drove to church, not knowing what I would find. And I remember praying the whole way there from Psalm 91, Lord, command your angels concerning her to guard her in all her ways. And I just kept repeating that and repeating that. When I got to church, they had found her and brought her uh, into the building and she was freezing cold because it was the middle of the winter. She was in a state, but she was okay. Uh, Within... A few hours after that, we walked into the emergency room and for the first time out loud, I said, my daughter's suicidal. And that was absolutely terrifying. And it really began a long journey of recovery for her. But there was something that happened in that emergency room that I want to share because it was it really kind of set the tone for how the rest of that experience and that journey would play out and what happened in that emergency room you know we were waiting like four hours or something they were doing all the tests and stuff and then we were just in the room with myself and my daughter and um, she was in such a state of distress and anguish, and I could hardly recognize her. The doctor came in who needed to do the assessment and decide what happened next, like did she need to go somewhere to be admitted as an inpatient? And the lady who came in to do that had a name tag on, and that name tag said angel. And I said to Hannah, I was praying that God would command his angel's concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And he has sent this angel and I can see it. And you, even in your distress and your trauma, you can see it too. And that was just, uh, that's what I needed right then and there to know that God was with us. And he heard my prayer for my daughter. And he was gonna be with us in that journey. Mm. And uh, what followed after that was, several times she was admitted to the hospital for inpatient. She needed 24-hour care. So our lively, bubbly, friendly, energetic daughter, was in such pain and suffering that it was almost unbearable to watch. I spent many nights sleeping on a mattress in her bedroom, praying and praying and praying. And we'd been memorizing as a family um, Psalm 23, you know, as a familiar psalm. And often, you know, when we're going through times of trouble, we think of the verses about, you know, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But in this season, for me, the thing that really got me was was verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I'd always kind of learned those verses as thou shalt not want, which kind of sounds, you know, out there somewhere in the distance, some kind of conditional tense, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But in the NIV, it's very, it. it's like straight into the point. I lack nothing. Mm-hmm. And I lay there in bed like night after night, like, Lord, this is this is what you say. And I believe who you are. And I believe what you say to be true. So that means in this situation, I lack nothing. And from an earthly perspective, that makes absolutely no sense. But in God's eyes, because he is my shepherd, I had all I need. And it's still mind-blowing to think that that is true, but that's what I experienced. And that is what I really held on to in all the the days and weeks and months and and years ahead.
1: During this time, did God bring a song to you to minister?
2: He absolutely did. I hear God most clearly oftentimes through songs. And in this situation, the song is uh, Battle Belongs by Phil Wickham. And uh, it starts off, when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And I really did sing through the night. In those nights of just utter distress and torment for me watching my daughter Mm. in so much pain and suffering. I had my headset on and I would listen to this song on repeat.
1: Let's listen to Battle Belongs.
3: When all I see is the mountain You see a mountain moved And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear
1: quite a song mm-hmm. that would minister to me and anyone else listening. So thank you for bringing that song to us today. Kate, I'd like to give you a couple of minutes to talk about anything God has laid on your heart that he wants you to minister to listeners today.
2: Going through this mental health journey with my daughter, who, by the way, is doing pretty well now, I myself realized that I was suffering from PTSD, from post-traumatic stress disorder, from having seen her in so many situations, just in such pain. Thankfully, I getting some good counseling and help in uh, walking through that and recovering from that. So what I really want to say to somebody, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're on your own mental health journey and you're not quite sure where to turn. You're not sure who to talk to. You're not sure what resources are out there. I just want to make sure you know that God is with you, that you are not alone, and that whether you're in a terrifying emergency room situation, whether you're in a difficult conversation with somebody. Whatever situation you're in, or maybe you're with a loved one in a terrifying situation, you're not alone. God is with you and he wants to hold you and he wants to love on you and he wants to comfort you and he wants to bring the help that you need. Every time he is the help that we need, he speaks the words of comfort. He gives us rest. He gives us strength to go through the day. And so I just want to encourage you with whatever you're facing, that you're not alone because God is with you, but you're also not alone because you're in a community of faith. The community of faith has struggled. We have struggles. We have trouble. We have difficult times. We have dark seasons that make no sense. And yet we're here to encourage each other in our own times of struggle. And when we're maybe in a season where we're doing a better, We can help those who who need the help and the encouragement. I just want to encourage you to trust in the Lord with everything you've got, with every breath and to give him the praise, no matter the circumstances.
1: Will you pray with us?
2: Absolutely. Father God, you are above all things. You are sovereign. You are in control. Nothing that happens surprises you. And Lord, we thank you for the, the richness of your word that tells us again and again that that you work for our good, for your glory, and for the saving of many lives. Lord, I pray for each of us in our walk with you, that we will hold on to you firmly, that we won't be shaken, that we will put both feet on you as our rock and and allow you to care for us, to love us, to bring us rest, to bring us help. Whatever it is that we need, Lord, I pray that that this time that we've shared together would encourage encourage us that we will be able to put our trust in you. Father, thank you for this opportunity, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for coming, Kate. You certainly have a life that is rich in faith.
2: Thank you, Nita.
1: And thank you, listeners. I've appreciated your tuning into the chat today. I look forward to future times when we can once again sit and have a chat.
0: I'm stepping out, out of the boat, for the Savior is me.